Thank you very much. I wonder if you wouldn't mind listening to me for a few moments as I read a prophetic word that was brought uh, back in November, November the 8th, 2015, and uh, it was actually myself who brought it, but it's God's word. And it was about a beautiful garden, so I will paraphrase one or two bits, but generally I'll read the whole thing out. Are you ready? I'm doing this so that, one, you can remember it, and two, many of you may not have heard it either. So So this was God speaking through me. I want you to consider the most beautiful garden you've ever seen. And while you're doing that, I want you to understand that I, Charles, am not a gardener. So forgive me if the analogy is not perfect, but God's word is here. Every beautiful garden requires to be dug up at some point. God gave me a picture a few weeks ago of a fork. It wasn't really very helpful to me because I'm not really a gardener. But my understanding of what you do with a fork is that you go and dig the garden over, regardless of how beautiful it is. For me, this beautiful garden is where we are today, as God's people right here. And one of the reasons for what is happening today is that the elders are required to get their forks out and go and dig the ground. And while digging the ground... There are good things that they find. In any decent garden, you're required to move things on some occasions, and they're moved for a purpose to allow them to grow even more than they have done. They've become restricted in their space. Another reason you dig is to find the things that shouldn't be there, the weeds. And it's our job to make sure those weeds are removed. But in digging the ground, one of the things that happens to the ground is that it gets aerated. At least I thought that's what the word was, and I think it is. You give space for the ground to move, and one of our jobs as elders is that there is always space for the people of God to grow in all that God has given them. We are not here to restrict the people of God. We are here to give them freedom and to help them grow. So the word of God to you today is this that you are always to look upon an eldership as those who, yes, are here to govern, but are here to free you up, to encourage you, to take you to even greater things. And for those of you who maybe feel like you're feeling a bit, little bit restricted, well, maybe it's time that we come and dig you up. Not because you've done anything wrong, but it's time for you to move on to something else to put you into new ground. When you break up the ground, to carry on the analogy, manure and extra stuff is put into the ground to make it better. What happens here in the church is that we put the word and the spirit in where space is given in order to allow people to grow more. Everybody catch that? You see, I saw a picture. I saw a picture of a garden when God gave me this prophetic word. And forgive me, I'm not, really I'm not a gardener, but what I saw was lots of colour, lots of plants. It was a fairly crazy garden, to be honest. There was nothing very uniform about it. There were plants that I looked at and I thought, not quite sure they should be next to each other really, but hey, it looks good, it's colourful. It looked vibrant, uh, excited you when you looked at it. And I, and I believe the church is like that. Yeah. I don't want you to think 
that this garden was out of control. It wasn't out of control. There were boundaries, if I can call it, in this garden because there was somebody looking after it. So while it might have been colorful and tall plants next to really small ones and red ones next to blue ones, it didn't really matter because somebody was looking out for it. So that's the picture I saw when God gave me that word. And it's important to say that there, were, there was this person looking after it. And in a church, what I love in this context here, because this is a beautiful garden in here, full of beautiful people. But the one thing, I, one thing amongst many I love about it is we are all different. We've got people with different colored faces. We've got people from different countries. We've got people who speak different languages. We've got people who've experienced different cultures. We've got people who've had different educations. We've got people with jobs that I don't even understand what you're talking about when you tell me what you do. But hey, <laughs> praise God, it's fantastic. I try and look intelligent when you tell me, but sometimes I just have to give up and think, this is way outside what I understand. What I'm saying is we should celebrate all our differences, but know that we serve one God who sent his son for us. So what I'd like to do today is tell you a little bit about this beautiful garden, and I'll do my best. But in any message, I want to encourage you, you probably won't remember all of it. So for everybody in this room today, look out for the nugget that's for you. Don't feel guilty about thinking, I can't remember that scripture he read. Just wait for God to speak to you through something this morning. Maybe all of it, maybe just one thing. Preferably not a verse that I haven't read that was just below the one that I did, but that occasionally happens. Um, And if that does happen, just don't tell me. (laughs) Tell me it was good anyway. Let's turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Uh, Verse 9, you know in this garden that I saw, even though it looked crowded, there was still space. Never be in a church thinking there's no place for you. There is always a place for you. Sometimes we, including me, we have to be patient and wait, but as long as you know in your heart and your confession is this, God wants me here. He has a plan and purpose for me. Allow God, not man, allow God to create that opportunity for you. Verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then listen to these words here. It's all about growth. And God said... Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God created things like plants. But the wonderful thing about this passage is, and the one thing I wanted to bring out, is that it was, these things grow. So you, you, you hear in my version words like sprout, yielding, bearing, 
brought forth, yielding, and more bearing. Okay, so the context is of growth. Let's move on to the next passage, which is just over the page in Genesis chapter 2. And verse 8. We're going to jump around a bit here. We're going to read 8 to 10 and 15 to 18. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. This is the first garden, by the way. In the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of this garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. Down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So this was the first garden. But what was special about this garden? So I'm going to tell you what I think was special about this garden. There's maybe many other things that I could say. But I'm going to give you a list of 10 to 12, I think it is. As I'm saying them, I'd like you to think about us as a beautiful garden. And ask yourself, I'll give a little bit of time after each one, ask yourself, what is God saying to us about the garden that we're in? The first thing is that in verse 8, God created it, it wasn't man-made. In verse 9, it says, it was pleasant to look at. In verse 9, it also says it was good for food. We might say spiritual food. In verse 10, there was a plentiful supply of water. I like to think the Holy Spirit is with us. We had a period of time when we spoke in tongues this morning. For those of you, of which there are a number in this room, are not baptized in the Spirit, or were not speaking in tongues this morning, I want to encourage you, there is no fear in this place. But I do want to tell you that God wants you to have that heavenly language. It's not something we've made up. I remember when I was in a meeting about 30 years ago, I had just come to Christ in, uh, in an Anglican church. And my friend invited me to a meeting in a, a church not dissimilar to this. And the f- first meeting I went to, I stood next to this man who incidentally I'm still friends with today. And he started speaking in this funny language which I'd never heard of before and it absolutely freaked me out. So much so that I didn't actually go back for about four weeks. But during those four weeks, God started to work in my heart. I didn't get baptized in the Spirit during that time. In fact, it was three, four months after that, I think, when I was baptized in the Spirit. But I knew something had happened. 
And I just want to encourage you, those of you here today who are living in fear in this meeting, don't live in fear. God wants you to have the heavenly language that he intended for all of us to have. For another occasion, we can explain why that's good. (laughs) But in another sense, it's almost hard to explain why it's good. I just know that when I speak in tongues, it does me good. Okay? So, in verse 10, it says, A river flowed out from it, and it, if I find the verse, and there it divided and became four rivers. We should be so full of what God has for us that it's never contained in this room, but that we go to the ends of the earth to take the gospel that God put in our hearts. Amen. And the ends of the earth can be your street, yeah. can be your uh, classroom at school, can be your workplace. It has to start somewhere. I think it was James who just said that's where it starts. That is where it starts. In verse 15, it was a place of work. There are things for all of us to do. You don't have to do them, but you should feel free to do them. Um, There are many volunteering opportunities. Ask God what he wants you to do. Uh, I have examples of people who've said, I really believe God wants me to do this. And we have other examples of people saying, I don't know what God wants me to do, but I want you to know I want to do something. So tell me what it is. I don't mind either. Both are perfectly valid because both have a heart that says, I want to serve. It says, it says um, in verse 15 that he had to work and keep it. It was a place of order. That's what I was talking about. This garden is a place of order. But in verse 17, it talks about the knowledge of good and evil, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you shall not eat it. There were boundaries put in place. And there are boundaries in church life. They're in here. There are things that we should do, and there are some things that we shouldn't do. But those things that we shouldn't do are there to give us freedom. In verse 18, it says that the man should not be alone. Do you know there was friendship and fellowship after the woman was created? But I'm not just talking about marriage. You should never be alone in this place. I don't actually have a big issue with somebody sat on their own, by the way. Sometimes that's okay. But in a prophetic sense, wanted to point out that nobody should ever be on their own. Yeah. If you feel on your own in this church, you shouldn't. And if you are on your own, come and see me and I'll do something about it. As will anybody in this room if you go and ask them. I want to add that because it's not about an eldership, it's about a people of God. It's about a beautiful garden in which everybody has their part to play. We just happen to have a little title that goes with what we do. But so do you, your servants of God, as we are. And I didn't read this bit, but it's in chapter 3, verse 8. God was there, walking in the garden. Do you know God is with us? All the time, whenever we meet, he's with us. Praise God. 
So hopefully you picked up how that applies to us. One of the things that happened when God was walking in the garden is at one point he said, he said to Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? And he didn't mean, uh, where are you? I can't find you. He knew where they were. He knew physically where they were. Hopefully you play catch up with me now. He was in the same garden. He knew where they were. It wasn't a game of hide and seek and thinking, I can't find these Adam and Eve. Where are they? No, he wanted to know where they were in their hearts. So I want to leave you in a place today where you know you're in a beautiful garden. Some of you have been in this church for, in fact, let's have a look. How many? If you've been in this church for more than 15 years as part of it, would you please stand up? Yeah, right. 15 years. Okay. Have a good look at these people. 15 years. If you, how many of those people have been here uh, 25 years or more? Hands up. Yeah. You should be clapping. Huh? Well, we want to honor you this morning. Uh, I've been thinking about a, lot, a lot about you people recently, if I can put it like that. We should always be very thankful to those people who've gone before us. Amen. It's not about being sentimental, but it is about recognizing what people have put in. Amen. You know, we wouldn't be here today in this physical building if it hadn't have been for those people. Many of those people will have given an off, a lot of money to help make this place happen. So at the end, I'm going to ask uh, some of you who haven't been here as long to go and meet some of those people. Because I, I want each of you to know how beautiful the garden is. Young plants are just as good as the old ones, by the way. Do you know, the Garden of Eden was like a paradise. It was a truly beautiful garden. Uh, now this is where I get into dangerous ground and try and be a little bit clever, but here we go. The root word used for Eden in the Old Testament was then translated paradise in the New Testament. There are three examples of this in the New Testament. I want to show you those three examples and show you a little bit more about what we're about. Amen? So let's go to Luke 23, verse 43. Okay, so this is, I'm just going to read to you one verse, but this is the crucifixion. And at the crucifixion, we know that Jesus was there, but two other criminals were there as well. So let's read from Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This beautiful garden, this church in which we are in, is a place of promise. The promise of the Lord to the repentant thief was fulfilled the same day. The thief would have understood what paradise meant and it would have given him great comfort. Do you know our beautiful garden here in Cardiff? is a place of promises yes, amen. that have been fulfilled, yes. that are being fulfilled right here today in this meeting. 
and will be fulfilled going forward. I believe that repentance and salvation will be the norm in this church. When we say we're growing, we'll actually be able to prove it numerically. I know that's not what we're all about, but all of us desire for every single one of these seats to be filled. And I believe, and certainly eldership believes as well, that something's going on amongst us. There's a, a greater sense of worth, of knowing your place, and we are seeing people saved. What we need to see is people added to this church, so that in five years' time I can say who's been here five years, and that we see a huge number of people who've been added. So it's a place of promise. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, sorry, chapter 12, verses 2 to 4. Verses 2 to 4. This is Paul talking about himself. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, or in some of your versions, paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, and he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. This church is not only a place of promise, but it's a place of captured hearts. I confess, I don't know all that was going on here. But I do know this that Paul was caught up somewhere that so captured his heart that he was actually struggling to say what it was. I know he was in the presence of God. And so I want us to be a people who at times find it hard to explain what's going on, if I can describe it like that. There's just something on the inside. You can't express yourselves um, because you know how much God is involved in your life. He was just so close to God at that time. He was caught up with the things of God, so much so that everything else paled into insignificance. I think that's quite a hard place to be sometimes because you have so many other things going on in your lives that they are very real. But there's no better place than to be in the presence of God. This isn't just about people who are going through a tough time, by the way. But if you are, on which there will be people in this room and in this beautiful garden who are having a tough time, kneel at his feet, lay everything before him, let him capture your heart again if that's been lost. Because God loves you and he wants you to be captured by him. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17 it says, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. I'm just giving you another example of what it was to be caught up. It's just a sense in which you are so close to him. In Acts 8.39 it says, And when they came up out of the water, water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. That's the same word, carried Philip away. I don't necessarily understand all of that. All I know is he was very close to God at that time. 
And I want to be in that place. So whatever it is for you, just make sure you're caught up with him. We're in a place of promise here, and we're in a place of captured hearts. Let's turn to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 2. We're also a place of restoration. It's just the second part of the verse. Revelation 2, chapter 7. Chapter 7? Let's try that again. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers... Or I think some of your versions say, overcome. I will, grant to, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Or I think can be translated, beautiful garden. Do you know in the end, God is going to bring a, a culmination to this world, as we know it. A man will at that point have perfect fellowship again with God, just as he did in the Garden of Eden. For us today, we can still be close to God. But restoration is going on, both in our relationship with him, but there's some other fantastic things that are going on. I'm just going to mention a few. Do you know what? Marriages are being restored. Some have been, some are being restored now. Salvation is coming to family members. That's a confession for me as well. Salvation is coming to my family and to yours. Bitter rivals are becoming godly partners. Do you know this garden represents a place where everyone flourishes? Say everyone. Everyone. Everyone flourishes in this garden. The prophetic word talked about digging, which in the natural is loosening the soil, lifting it, turning it over. But what relevance has digging got to our beautiful garden here? Most of what I'm going to say now is is taken from the prophetic word. Gardens need to have plants moved. (laughs) But they're moved for a purpose. Why? To allow even more growth. Never be afraid of being moved. When you move something, it removes space restrictions. There should always be space for the people of God to grow. As leaders, we're not here to restrict people. We are only here to give them freedom and to help them grow. My only desire is to free you up, to encourage you, and to see, to see you succeed in all that God has for you. If you're feeling restricted in what you're doing, then maybe it is time for you to move, to do something new. Maybe, maybe it is a new job. Maybe it is a new area of service in the church. Maybe... God is asking you to move from Cardiff to somewhere else. Do you mean, Charles, that you would let people leave this church? If you come to me and tell me God has told you to go, and there's an amen in my heart, then absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Well, that that means your numbers go down. No, it doesn't. It means that I've sown somebody out, so I'm going to reap. Maybe it's time for some new ground. 
2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What freedom is that talking about? It's freedom of access to the presence of God himself. Does that mean everybody in this beautiful garden, in this church, has completely free access to the King of Kings? Yes. And you know, even if you're not a Christian here this morning, you can talk to my Heavenly Father, who is also your Heavenly Father, and you can draw close to Him today. Even while I'm speaking, you can just say the simplest of things, Lord, I submit to you, forgive me, but I want to be yours. If the attitude in your heart is, I want what these people have got, surely God will give you that. The other thing that's one, the second thing about digging is that it helps us to find things that shouldn't be there. Now, this applies both to us as individuals, that there are things that are not in right in our lives, but it often applies to us as people together where there's some friction or something between us. Let's call them weeds. Weeds need removing, whether they're big or small. And some of the small ones are the worst. You need to deal with them. Do you know we're all responsible for our own lives to remove things that are wrong in them? I can point something out to you, but you have to do something about it. But we are also responsible to each other. We are supposed to look out for one another. Both to encourage one another and occasionally we are required to point something out. In, I'll I'll take it back. James is occasionally required to point something out in my life that isn't as it should be. And that's fine because I can receive him. So when somebody comes and says, I'm not sure that's great what you said recently. Always accept what they've said. Go away. Ask God and then deal with it. Mark 4, 18 to 19 says this. And it's talking about um, where seeds are sown and how it's received. And others are the ones sown amongst thorns. So I'm not reading the whole passage to you, but this particular bit. There are those that hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Weeds, big or small, can distract us. Worry distracts us. Worry is a terrible thing because it draws us in different directions where we don't want to go. Being too busy is not helpful. Trying to please man instead of God is not good. Pursuing riches for personal gain is not a great idea. Sexual lust is an ever-growing issue in the world and, sadly, in the church. An unhealthy desire for too much food, clothing, and even footwear. (laughs) 
If you don't understand the joke, come and see me afterwards. <laughs> getting a better job just for the sake of getting a better job. Getting a better house just for the sake of having something better, etc., etc. Some of these things, on their own, there's nothing wrong with them. But it ten- depends on your attitude behind them and why you're doing them. If you want to know where you're at in terms of weeds, ask yourself these questions. What do you talk about? What preoccupies your thoughts? Now, for those of you who talk about football, there's nothing wrong with talking about football or things like that. Just generally, what do you talk about? Is your, is your chatter and talk filled with things that are not really of God? Or if you are talking about other things... Do people feel built up when they finish talking to you or not? The third thing is this, in terms of digging. It's to put air and water and nutrients into the ground. Do you know a regular digging over of our lives is good? It's a daily thing. As we come before him, ask him about our day, talk to him at whenever point we talk to him during the day, hopefully throughout the day, The Holy Spirit can talk to us at all times. Do you know this happens every day as we spend time with him? Reading, reading his word, praying, listening, just being quiet before him. If we open ourselves up to him, he'll allow the Holy Spirit into us and the word of God will start to work in our lives. Do you know the consequence is? Is that individual act becomes a corporate can't think of the word but when we all individually do what we should do before him we suddenly become even more powerful together as a body can you picture yourself in that garden I don't know whether you're a blue plant red plant big tall one small dainty one I don't know what you are but from where I'm looking God tells me you're beautiful In Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. Shall we turn to that? I like this. Well, I like all of them, but I particularly like this one. Verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that wind drives away. I wasn't supposed to read that bit, but hey, that's fine. This I've been down in London recently helping one of the churches down there. It's only a small group of people, but it's a privilege to help them. And I read this scripture to them, I think, last time we were there. And then they reminded me I'd actually read it the previous time I was there as well. And in fact, because so, I was trying to get them to understand what meditate, meditates means. And it's a bit like, I've always had it described to me as a bit like when a, a cow is eating something and it chews the cud. And uh, it gets a bit graphic at this point, so I'm not going to go any further than that. But suffice to say, 
Well, I need to now, don't I, really? But <laughs> suffice to say, uh, the cow eats it and then brings it back up again and then eats it again. But I, I find that helpful, if not the, the thought of it not helpful, but the, the fact that I take the Word of God and I keep, to, I keep reading it. I keep going back to it. And it's why when you read something, you think, I've read this 15 times already, and suddenly God shows you something you've not seen before. And that's the excitement of the Word of God. You can come to it daily and find something new, even if it's something that you've read before. We're a beautiful garden. We're a place of promise, captured hearts, a place of restoration. It's a place of growth. If you need to be moved, don't be afraid about it. God's with you. Get rid of the weeds, even the small ones, and put nutrients into your life. The Word and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I, I would like to do two things. Firstly, I would like to ask those people 